Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast. I'm Christina Magro, and I'm here with Christina Veltri and Matt Cole. And we are here to give industry folks better tools to advocate for themselves with and within, within and with outside of the workplace. Um, so today we're really excited. This is our first podcast episode of 2021. So we are going to start um, the year off with a that's very important to all of us, and uh, that's accountability. Um, but before we get into accountability, um, I just want to check in with Christina and Matt. How are you guys doing today? Uh, I'm good. Uh, just hanging out, house-sitting for some friends who are out of town uh, and taking care of their plants, which is very nice and relaxing. And uh, you know, getting ready for, for the holidays. Nice. How are you doing, Christina? Um, I am good as well. As you can probably see, I am in transit right now. So uh, I'm on a little road trip in the car. Um, but other than that, I'm, you know, just trying to take care of myself during the holiday season. <laughs> well, I'm happy to hear that. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Um, you know, just hanging in there. Um, took a lot of good uh, mental notes from our last podcast with DJ and like really trying to um, do some things that he said, like, why wait until the new year to change some stuff? Why not make some small steps to do that now? So that's what I'm currently doing. Um, you know, trying to spend as much time with my puppy as possible. And uh, yeah, so I'm extremely excited about uh, this specific topic that we have today. And I'm very excited to have Emily and Molly with us today um, to talk about some things, shine a light on their organization. Um, so hello, Emily. Hi, Molly. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Yeah, doing pretty good. Excited to be here. Thanks for being here virtually with us. <laughs> We're really excited to have this conversation. Um, but before we kind of get into Chad and what it is that you guys do, um, Emily, do you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, for sure. I'll see. My name is Emily McCoy. I use pronouns they and she. Um, I am a mental health clinician. Currently, I work in private practice, but um, I've worked in the service industry for a good portion of my life, both like both prior to being a clinician and like at the beginning of my career. Um, and I work with Chad as a mental health consultant and also as a database supporter. Great. Molly, how about you? Uh, my name is Molly Pesci. My pronouns are she and her. I've been in the service industry for the past six years or so. My background is in sociology uh, with a focus on the criminal justice system, but that doesn't pay super well. So uh, <laughs> I've been in the service industry since finishing college, uh, working in a broad variety of different places. I've been unemployed since the pandemic hit, which has allowed me to focus on this project and put some effort into it. Um, besides that, I really like plants. I have a side hustle with my partner selling some cute plants and planters as a form of self-care and also paying the rent. That's amazing. What's the side hustle called? Your Plant Daddy. Um, that's my partner. It's not yeah. really a company, but we do a couple pop-up markets and I've been selling some, self, some stuff throughout the holiday season. 
All right, well, that's awesome. Everybody should check that out. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about Chad and what, um, what Chad is derived of and kind of how it started? Sure. Um, so Chad started uh, with two people back in early June, Reagan Draper and Leah Ball, both of whom coming out of the wake of the George Floyd, pro George Floyd protests, as well as the desolation of our industry from COVID, wanted to start compiling data so that consumers can make ethical choices about where they spend their money. So the Chad spreadsheet was born looking at a broad amount of data, looking at um, COVID-19 policies, things that workers have reported, um, statements regarding the Black Lives Matter protests and the George Floyd murder. It's really grown from there, but the point is giving information to consumers and then as well as workers to make educated choices about where they consume and where they would like to work. Beyond that, we've expanded into offering some resources from that data that we're collecting. We're still in a very generative place right now, building the infrastructure internally of our organization, um, but we have a lot of big plans for the new year. Awesome, I can't wait to ask you about that in a little while. But I have a couple of questions um, because kind of right around the time that the chat spreadsheet came to light was also the time where a lot of restaurants in the Chicago specifically were coming under fire um, for their practices and the way in which that they were treating their staff. So before we go deep into this conversation, I just kind of wanted to ask the question of like, what is the difference between accountability and cancel culture? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a huge difference between cancel culture and, and accountability. But I think something that's important to address is like, there's something very different between trying to cancel a person versus canceling like an institution, right? Um, we're all about like being as close to abolition as we possibly can. So like that is definitely something that I think is important to address. But I think that when it comes down to trying to cancel a specific person or chef or restaurant, like that's something that comes out of hate and like breeds more hate versus, you know, utilizing accountability and calling culture like really helps promote like a space to try and like develop more community, develop more love and just develop more of like a resource system for all of us to be able to thrive in. Yeah, I would say accountability specifically comes from a place of love because it's knowing that whoever it is, your community, a person, an institution can be better and that no person is disposable and we have to like open the door to allow people to change and give them the space to do so. And so for us, that's what accountability is centered in. Yes, people make mistakes and uh, need to work on themselves, but they won't ever do that if you don't allow them the space to. Right. That's a great point. Mm -hmm. So this podcast is all centered around like giving employees the tools that they need to be better advocates for themselves. So we're going to ask you kind of like, um, employee related questions um, to give like folks advice. So say that I'm an employee and I want to speak up about like the injustices happening within my workplace. Like, do you recommend, how do you recommend that I start that conversation? Or is that something that, that somebody just reports to you and then you start the investigation or how does that work? So we're still in a process of figuring out our positioning with 
that. Uh, we definitely get horror stories from people all the time. Um, and sometimes people just want to vent. Sometimes people want actionable steps. The best advice we can give right now is to one, document it, document the instances of abuse or violations. Um, if there's any conversation about that with superiors, make sure it's via email and not verbal. And then find power in your communities and your coworkers. In terms of steps we take, we're currently working on compiling some legal resources with a, a law firm. Um, and then beyond that, just being careful when you do this. There are a number of governmental organizations and um, offices that can help, especially with COVID. There's, you could look at the Department of Labor, you could look at the Health Department, um, a number of the state websites, the state attorney general website for steps on how you report that. There's an email that you can email, there's a phone number that I'm happy to provide at the end of this too. Um, Emily, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I think that in general too, like if you're in a space where like injustice is happening, you also have to take a look at yourself and your own resources and like what you're able to withstand. Um, I think that there's a huge culture in the hospitality industry of like loyalty and like pushing through and that like, you know, we get these like badges of honor for like these like things that we're willing to put ourselves through. So I think that it's important to like always make space for ourselves to ask ourselves this question of like, where is my line? Like, has that line already been crossed? And like, do I have the resources to be able to remove myself from this space? And if the answer is yes, like strongly considering what other resources that you have to support yourself. And beyond that, if you don't have those resources to remove yourself from that space, something that we're also working on is providing other resources. So if you're working during COVID-19 in a place that's not offering healthcare and you can't afford the marketplace, we have a number of resources where people can find affordable clinics or a step-by-step -step process of walking through the Medicaid application. Um, so there's like secondary resources for dealing with the situation as well. Okay, that's great. And then all of these things that are referenced, we'll put in the info um, below this so that you'll have all of the sources that you need in the websites of which that we're referring to during this. So another question that I have is, say you're on the other side of these things and, and I am a business owner and I have essentially been canceled. Um, what advice could you give somebody who's on like a journey of redemption? And then do you feel like there is a line that is crossed where redemption will not be tolerated anymore? It's a tricky question, especially that second part. I mean, I think that again, there's a huge difference between talking about people versus talking about institutions um, mm -hmm. again. But in general, like as far as like, you know, is there a line or not? Like that's not something that I can speak to for anybody but myself. And I think that that definitely comes down to an individual and an individual's right to kind of decide where that line is. For them. I don't know if you have anything to say on that specifically, Molly. Um, absolutely. Uh, what I noticed, especially back in May and June, when a lot of restaurants were being canceled, people approached it different ways, depending on their identities and experience within the industry and how they were treated, um, versus me being like a white uh, cis woman, I had a very different experience. And so I have the mental space and capacity to um, hold space for people trying to change. In terms of advice for people seeking redemption, something that one of my favorite educators and activists in the industry says a lot, Ashton Berry, is you have to hold space for the offering and that sometimes 
self-work is it's really hard and something like this being canceled being called out or called in in a public way you have to see it as an offering of space to change to grow to become better and you have to be willing to receive it so being open to receiving that kind of thing is very very important and that would be the building blocks of that journey to redemption i would say you have to be able to hear what your community is saying without taking a huge hit to your ego or feeling so personally attacked that you can't work through it. For sure. And it's a difficult process because obviously like a lot of what we're talking about as far as like oppression or abuse that happens within the industry is the result of a cycle. So a lot of the times like we can find ourselves like implementing the same abuses or oppressions that were like used against us early in our careers. And so I think like a big step in trying to figure out like how to start going down that road of redemption is to consider your own story, to consider your own things that you were exposed to and try to honestly ask yourself like, are you engaging in that cycle? And like, what can you do to try and prevent that cycle from continuing? Right. You're responsible for your own healing, even if you weren't, um, trauma is not your fault, but you're responsible for your healing. Okay. That's great advice because like how many times have we had a superior above us that just did the same things because that's the only way that they know, or that's the way that they have learned, or that was the way that they were trained. So it's just a cycle of just repeated behavior. And sometimes right. they don't even realize that what that they're perpetuating I would also say the structure of restaurants specifically, especially in back of house is designed that way. You know, the militaristic style of you don't question, you just say yes. Um, you, you're not able to question or fight back. Or if you do, it's usually a trauma response. Um, fight or flight or fawn, whatever it is. There's not space to like process the trauma that you just experienced so that you can move away from it in a different path. That being said, I've worked with people who I've seen literally go through the journey of like being someone who perpetuates trauma, stops it in the track, goes to therapy for themselves. And then like as they're working, I can see them grow and like see them catch themselves from that. It's possible. It's very possible and doable. Absolutely. Matt, do you have anything to add about that? Well, I was just going to say, I mean, uh, we were talking earlier about like the badge of honor kind of aspect of it. And it, it is such a thing. And like, uh, chefs that I've worked with and respected and, and, you know, people that I, that I know working in the backup house, uh, look at it as this kind of thing. It's like, well, I, I did this and, you know, this is what it is. This is, this is who we are. You know, you get the pans thrown at your head, you get the yelling, you get the screaming. And, you know, I, I think what we're, I think what everyone is kind of realizing now is that, you know, we're working to build better platforms for people to move forward in their career and not repeat the cycle over and over again. Uh, and I was just like, I was thinking a lot, I was reading an article about uh, David Chang last night about someone responding to his memoir and how talking about how he's editing out his past and just kind of being like, well, I wish I would have acted like this or I wish I would have done this without actually acknowledging the, the trauma that he caused the people. And, you know, I think it's great that he's trying to work past and recognize the fact that he has done these things, but he still needs to make room for people to, you know, have the feelings about the things that he caused for them. He can't just be like, well, if I were a better person, I would have done it like this. Anyways, it's in my book. So this is all history now. And it's like, it's just not, it's not the situation. You know, and I, I agree that like back of house has had a long history of toxicity that needs to be continuously worked through. Absolutely. 
And, you know, I'm sure like for David Chang, he would like to just erase that past and move forward. Oh, yeah. But I mean, you, you can't like, I feel like that doesn't help him as a human being either to just kind of not like to just move forward and not really acknowledge that like, yes, I was a part of that chef culture. I did perpetuate the problem. But now, like, I'm going to use my platform to try to reverse the cycle. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it helps the ego a bit to, to be able to be like, well, I recognize it now, but, you know, it doesn't change the fact that for 10 years he was a tyrant. And, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing that was going in, in line with this was the history of, like, food writing going with it as well and how it's kind of glorified this, like, bad boy rock star chef lifestyle while also emulating it. And they were talking specifically about Peter Meehan in regards to David Chang and his time at Lucky Peach and how he's recently been let go from his job at the LA Times because of similar kind of, of like trauma that he's caused people. And it's just that the like chef auteur genius archetype is not really uh, so accessible anymore. And I think that accountability is like such an important aspect in breaking down that and moving towards a better and kinder workspace for everyone. You know, one that doesn't promote uh, burnout and self-harm and self-medication and just like continuous tear down and, and hurt. And one that like promotes like building people up and supporting them. Work-life balance, you know. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck is that? <laughs> well, I think there's an important point too in that just like as far as accountability goes is like you can't have accountability without an apology. Mm -hmm. like saying like oh you know like I've you know like I'm gonna do this different or like this is what I would have done different like that is an accountability sure like that's like a, a portion of it right is being able to problem solve and evaluate and like figure out like new things to do but without like having like a clear direct apology to like those that have been harmed like you can't even really begin like that's the foundation of accountability yeah. for sure yeah especially I think for us specifically we focus on transformative justice principles and acknowledging the harm you've done is the first step you have to take in terms of your journey of redemption or repairing the harm. Like you have to, <laughs> otherwise you're not starting on yeah. a strong base. You're starting here. Well, what are some other things? Would you all that say that like? Oh, go ahead, Matt. I was just going to ask you, like, do you think that accountability is kind of like a, like an all the way kind of thing? Like you're not really holding yourself accountable if you don't take all of these steps through it like if you don't if you brush through the apology without actually apologizing like you're not really holding yourself accountable right or I mean it's, is, it's one of those things where right, I like language is construct right <laughs> like my yeah. definition of accountability can be like vastly vastly different than like somebody else's like definition of accountability but yeah I guess like to me there's a difference between like maybe going through some personal growth in some specific areas and like you know like yeah like yeah we're humans like we grow and we evolve and like sometimes that's for the better but when it's coming down to like being accountable for actions yeah I think that there's like a couple of really important things to engage in and um I don't know Molly if you wanted to speak a little bit more about like what that like looks like for sure, yeah. I know that Chad, we have that broken down into a, a couple different sections specifically. So I would say, like what you're saying, Emily, accountability does involve specific steps of being accountable for your actions. 
And that is one aspect I would say of this like journey of self-redemption or whatever you want to call it, because the journey is going to be nonlinear. You make progress, you might backslide, whatever it is. That's what life is. That's what self-work is, uh, mental health work. Um, but I do agree, Emily, there are specific steps where you have to, you know, truth telling, be honest with yourself and with your community about what happened, being accountable for the harm that you caused, apologizing, um, as we progress as an organization, I would love to see us implement some sort of transformative practice with uh, people or owners or chefs, restaurateurs who want to go down this path. Because it, for me, it also involves accountable actions, meaning you take steps to repair the harm you caused. If you were a chef who was physically abusive, you go to therapy, obviously. And then maybe you also like start working with nonprofits or organizations that fight abuse. Like there, there are real steps that you have to take that's not just internal accountability, but to your community because we're all connected. If you harm one person, if you harm yourself, you're harming the whole community because we're all tied together. Mm -hmm. So you have to work to repair it on every level. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at the Chad spreadsheet, like, and we have a section that's like designated for reparative work specifically in response to the Black Lives Matter movement and kind of asking and calling in restaurants to um, contribute more to this community specifically, like the things that we kind of like document our note are a like specific clear apology um, for what this industry has done to exclude people of color, um, asking them to engage in education for themselves and also to provide resources for um, clients and their workers to be able to engage in education around the topic, um, to actively invest in these communities so taking like their own like assets and investing them and then also like engaging in aid specifically for those communities and kind of like those like are kind of some of those spaces where like we're trying to kind of like take something that can feel really abstract like accountability and try and kind of bring it down to something that's a little bit more qualitative so that we can try to in a way that is as unbiased as possible really kind of like note like what part of steps like certain like restaurants or individuals might be engaging in to try and and kind of like engage in this like idea of accountability. Right. And so an example, an easy example I saw of those later steps would be this summer at all the Black Lives Matter protests, there were chefs who used their own wealth to give out food and water to protesters. Like that's standing in solidarity. That's a great example. So I'm sure while developing this spreadsheet that there was a lot of um, it's it's disheartening to like have to see so many people within your community fail you. Um, but I would like to spin it. What were some positive things that you got from developing this spreadsheet that you've made like you maybe didn't anticipate, but you got from devising this? accountability system um so the majority of the data that we have currently up i know it was uh, kind of me me going through forms that had been filled out and then just kind of like me blasting through like all of the social media especially for some of the larger um food groups here in chicago and honestly it was a lot of disappointment it was a lot of like 
either like, oh no, you haven't done anything or you kind of did something. You put up a black square on your Instagram, but like at no point did you ever say anything like even just the words black lives matter. Like at no point like that, even saying that like was too taboo for like a lot of spaces. Um, I would say that, you know, like no specific, like, oh my gosh, wow, cool examples come up in my brain right off the bat. Mostly what I did see were like, um, you know, people of color, maybe not like black owned restaurants, but like restaurants that were owned by people of color doing a lot of really great stuff, doing a lot of really amazing like redistribution and aid work. Um, and, you know, obviously some other places like too, like getting it, getting it right as well. But it's, it, it honestly reflecting on it. It's, it's hard to even pick out like those like tiny moments. Cause it was just like vastly overwhelming, like just information of like folks kind of like either only caring for a week or just kind of not caring at all. I would say there's also a side effect that there's a lot of community building through this. A lot of people reaching out to us or people that we collaborate with, sharing their stories, seeking resources, just general community building. I know like I'm unemployed, but I have a number of friends who up until you know the past couple of weeks have been working full, as close to full time as possible. And like coming to me for resources, people talking about unionizing for the first time in their lives as like an attainable thing, since I would say the majority of us grew up with, you know, the right to work state. Like I've, unions are not a thing that really crosses my, um, my mindset because I've never worked in a hotel or any of the big conglomerates that have unionization right now. So I, for me, I also see this spreadsheet and the data we're collecting. It's helping to build community and show people that while things might be bleak right now, there is hope there are people doing good things out there and then we're documenting that too absolutely i just had this conversation uh with jorge who's a part of grocery run club like a couple days ago and i think um that's something that's positive that's come out of 2020 it's the sense of community and um that people are kind of realizing that we have to ha help each other out and um I, I do hope that like this continues after the pandemic and like that a sense of community and like charity and things of that nature just become like part of our day-to-day -day being. And it's like something that we all just make a part of ourselves and who we are as people, because I feel like we could all benefit from a little more empathy. I really hope that as a community, we can see the care that we've given each other for free and like without expectation, see that. And when things do go back to normal, hopefully when that happens, we demand more from our employers and from the structures that allow restaurants to operate the way that they do the structures, the white supremacist structures that created restaurants and their operational um, capacities. I think I really just hope that this community that we've built we continue to stand in it and ask for more because that's what accountability is. We know that we, this community can be better. We know we have the power to ask for more. We're asking for the institutions above us, our bosses, owners, employers to be better for us. They demand the world from us day to day and every job to the point of like breaking down, we can demand more from them. I agree. I mean, when everyone says go back to normal, like I hope we don't go back to the way that things were before because we've clearly seen within this time that this system is is fucked and like 
we are not meant to succeed within this system. So like it, we can't go back to the way that things were before and we shouldn't go back to the way that things were before because we've clearly realized that that system has not set anyone up for success except a very small handful of people. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, um, in the new year, what do you guys have planned? What's going on with Chad? And if folks want to get involved, how did they do so? So like I mentioned, we're still kind of in a generative stage. Um, in the new year, we're hoping to formulate a campaign. We want to partner and with and build trust with other organizations in our communities to continue our work, expand the voices that are heard. Um, beyond that, I know being a data-driven org from the get-go, we're hoping to expand that into a number of other topics to offer resources. Um, right now, for example, we're doing a month of social media featured around the intersectionality of sex work and hospitality with the goal of being able to connect people to resources. We're doing a fundraiser to donate to the Brave Space Alliance's Sex Worker Mutual Aid Fund. Um, for us, being data-driven is part of, I guess, a cyclical give and take with our community and that we hope to collect data to be able to give back to the community the resources that are very clearly needed rather than just guessing or assuming what people need. Just because as an organization, Chad, we're so small, we can't speak for everyone yet and we don't know what everyone needs. Um, anything you want to add, Emily? Um, yeah, I, I mean, like, just like as far as like, you know, how can people get involved? Uh, I believe that we do have like some space on our website and contact info there. Like you can also like, you know, just DM on like the Instagram, which is um, like the Chad project. And cause we are desperately needing more folks, more perspectives, um, especially with like the data that we have. Cause we do have like a lot of data and we really think it's important to like make sure that that data is always getting updated. Um, so that it does reflect like what the state of things look like. So um, definitely like that support is desired, wanted and appreciated. Um, but yeah, again, like Molly was saying is like, we don't wanna just like ask people to help us out or give us their data without being able to give anything back. So a lot of what we're trying to do is like ask directly, like what are the resources that folks need? How can we provide them back? Um, we recently did a survey just asking about like mental health needs within the hospitality industry and like what sort of resources folks might be in interested in if we were able to help find a partner that would be able to provide them at discounted or like pro bono resources. So we're currently taking the data from that spreadsheet that we did and working with a potential strategic partner to try and make sure that we can have some groups available for folks specifically in the hospitality industry to be able to process some of like the very specific stressors that come along with working in an industry like that. So I would definitely say um, keep an eye out for that and potentially keep an eye out for a fundraiser that we might put through to try and like gain some some funds directly to sponsor people to be able to engage in those mental health resources as well great i mean that sounds fantastic that's absolutely right up our alley so if you need any help from us please let us know um and then what do you think that the future of Wait. chad looks like for you guys <laughs> I think other Christina said, wait, somebody said. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I have a, I have two questions, but I've just been too scared to ask. Um, 
So, sorry, Mags. Um, no, just you throwing do. it back a little bit. <laughs> um, so, I think that discussing, like, the reactionary responses to situations that businesses have had, like, obviously, we'll see the ebbs and flows of, like, people either being called out or called to action. And um, I think that, like, right, this uh, time of COVID has been a really clear response that like people will change but then like you slowly start to go back to your old ways do you have any suggestions of like how to kind of reel people back in and remind them of like what they were working for initially and like keep that focus are you speaking on the worker for workers or for employers who are trying to make better changes or I think for employers, but also like how employees can, I think that it's more like the employees that recognize that things are starting to change because they have more of that 360 vision of like what's going on in the world and what's going on in the workplace. Whereas like a lot of times employers are very focused on the success of the business, which is completely understandable. Honestly? unions like i would say employers need to be open to unions and realizing that it's been demonized but this hard statistics show that unions help business like they help retain employees employers are happier they make more money like it's a scary thing for a lot of business owners to hear but being open to a unionized workforce would be one of the best and biggest things like i And I think workers themselves would be happy with that as a first step too. And I know for us as an organization, unionizing um, and getting more people in the union is gonna be a big push for us in the new year. I think that, you know, like in addition to that in kind of a similar way of like, if you know, union isn't currently accessible at this exact moment, a lot of it is about like in the moments where people are like saying like, here's what we wanna do, here's what we wanna change and like already have that momentum is like really getting it documented like being able to draft like, well, what are like the mission statements for like this restaurant? Like what is, what is this like social contract that we're trying to adhere to? And so that if we notice that like something is starting to happen, we're like, oh, like, you know, whatever it is, like, oh, we we're going to like put everybody's like health, like, you know, first, we're not going to schedule people for clopins anymore. Like, and then they start scheduling people for clopins, like being able to go like, hey, like this is something that you said that you weren't going to do. And this is why you said you weren't going to do it. Like, like, let's talk about it. Like now that it's happening again. That's a great idea. So having employers kind of create their own vision for the business that they want to be Mm -hmm. and being transparent about it with their workers so that their workers can hold them accountable. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Yeah. I, I love that, but I also think it's so hard because a lot of times like, it seems like businesses purposely make things quite mm-hmm. vague so that they have that flexibility to um, go off of Absolutely. Their, <laughs> uh, yeah. And vagueness just like isn't love, you know, like in any sort of communication, right? Like clear communication is like the most loving communication. And I think it's important to like, to try to as much as possible, right? Like as an employee, like you, you only have so much power. Right. But like to, to right. be able to point that out in that process of like, this is vague. This doesn't mean anything. Like this isn't you being kind to yeah. me or loving me right now. Yeah. 
Um, and then the other question I had goes back to what you were saying earlier about like accountability being, I mean, like a sign of love and trying to help people be better. And I think that the thing that initially I thought of is like, at what point do, does somebody who is trying to help somebody by holding them accountable and bettering them call it quits because it's really just like harming them to put in that emotional and mental energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's like a huge thing for just people in general trying to like know ahead of time what their boundaries are. But like something that I talk to people about all the time, right. Is like in, at the end of the day, like the only person that you can control is yourself. You can't control other people. You can't like force other people to do things. And so whenever you're going into a conversation with a person to try and hold them accountable, like you have to be okay with the idea that like you might be spending energy for like no payout. And if you, if that's something that you can't like tolerate as a potential outcome, then that's potentially maybe not a conversation that like was, is within your resources to have. If it is within your resources to be able to invest energy into trying to hold somebody accountable, great, do it. But like, it's not your job. Like that's, that's not anybody's job at the end of the day. And like, if, if, if you don't have the resources, like you're just going to burn yourself out. And like, that's not love for anybody, including yourself, if you're just feeling burnt out. Yeah. Be accountable to yourself. Accountability on every level. Yourself, mm -hmm. your partner, your community, it's important. So I have, Vel Veltri, do you have any other questions for them? No, that was everything. That was really insightful and helpful. Okay. Um, I'm going to end on one final question for you all, because I feel like we've touched on it. Um, that obviously the system is broken, that we need to hold our employers more accountable, that the future of the industry needs to change. So you've also mentioned unions. What are some other things that you would like to see in the future of hospitality? Ooh, big question. Oh, that's a big um, question. So as an organization, we grapple with this question all the time. It's kind of one of the foundational questions that we ask. And we've done a lot of arts facilitation around it in the community as well, asking people to like draw or paint or sketch what they imagine a future would be. And the things that keep coming up throughout all of that is like healthy, sustainable, joyful things that you would want for your community that I think in the past we might have thought we had in the service industry, but coupled with the amount of trauma that there was and commiseration and just struggle, it they couldn't coexist together. So for me, the future of the industry, it can mean so many different things. On a personal level, I would love to see some sort of worker-run accountability council, at least in the city, to deal with allegations um, against owners or um, chefs, bosses, that isn't just the government, which can be largely inefficient, um, or uh, HR that's being paid by your boss anyway, that has the best interest of the company anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think something that like 
it directly goes with Chad is like we we're really hoping that in the future like we're able to create a system where like more data is available to you. like currently like you know like the IRA has like a lot of data on what's going on in the restaurant industry but there's a paywall to access that data which it you know, just like seems like something that is silly and like just like you know, shouldn't be a part of what a system like this looks like so I think that like being able to like have data out there about what's going on in the industry again to like empower people to make choices and then also to be able to like call people in more often you know I think that in in the industry right like all of us have heard like those whispers and those rumors about like that chef who like does terrible things or like those warnings of like don't go work there like I'm like you know like you should have you should have known better you should have never like applied for that job like I think if we actually have concrete data out there that's accessible to everyone like people will be able to to hold each other more accountable and like we can see more collaborations between different restaurants between different people sharing resources sharing information and really truly supporting each other yeah and I think with this data, we kind of want to radicalize the ethics in the industry and refocus food culture on the hands that serves it and kind of give workers a little bit more sovereignty over what they're doing. And so for me, that also looks like right now we've seen the trending hashtag save independent restaurants, save our restaurants. Um, if it had been about saving workers, save our people, we would have to entirely change the structure of the business and government. It wouldn't be just about governmental aid to save the people that make restaurants work, we would have to change the entire structure top to bottom. And so for me, I would like to see us refocusing on the people that make these businesses and institutions possible. <laughs> That's such a good answer. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any questions for us? I just wanted to say like that your resource list is really beautiful. Like, it's just, like, incredibly lovely. And I just, just wanted to put that out there for thank you for, like, having all of those resources from all of those different spaces in, in one place. We were looking through it at our meeting earlier today, and we were like, whoa, this is so long. This is awesome. Thanks for saying that. Because um, very rarely, you know, in this field, do you ever get feedback? Like, so you, you're, you know, you, like, ask the people what they want. You, you like you put it up there and you're like, is anyone looking at this? <laughs> anyone, you know, like, I hope so. And specifically like Matt Cole is the reason why those resources exist on the website. He makes the whole resource world go round. So, no, Matt Cole. 100%. We got, we, got a, we got a lot of helping hands <laughs> Amazing work, for sure. Just, you know, it's it's great to be able to have something <laughs> like that to direct people towards. Of course. Well, we just want to yeah, say thank you so much for being our first guest for our 2021 season of our podcast. Um, and for those of you listening, if you want to check out the resources that have been referenced or the websites that have been referenced during this talk, it is below down in the description. Um, if you have any questions for us, feel free to email us at um, info at pleasehustleresponsibly.org. If you are interested in the Chad project, you want to get involved, maybe you enjoy data entry in your spare time and would like to volunteer. 
um, hit them up at the Chad Project. Um, all their information is also in the description. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to start off this year with a very important topic. And um, we'll see you next Monday. <laughs>